Hey, it's Cindy Howes from the podcast Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Check out our very special 250th episode featuring an interview and performance with Basic Folk co-host Lizzie No. I feel like most women I know have an experience where they've been working and working and working to perform and to execute and to please everyone else, and then things sort of fall apart a little bit in some way or another. And partying can actually be a really important step towards getting free because it shows you where you need to fall apart and being on the dance floor, like in community with Mm. other women and Mm -hmm. in community with queer people. Mm -hmm. Like for me, those experiences have been so important. This time, Lizzie is on the other side of the mic talking about and performing songs from their brand new album, Half Seas. Basic Folk's 250th episode with Lizzie No is streaming now on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Join us there or wherever you get podcasts. Hello and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have 200 honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Cindy House here with Lizzie No. Hello, Lizzie. Hi, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have 200 honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Lizzie No, here with Cindy House. <laughs> Guess what, Cindy? On this episode, you are not the main host, we are co-hosts, and therefore I get to do the intro as well. And nobody can stop me from doing my own intro, even though you've done your intro, just because you're the founder of Basic Folk. Okay, it's our 200th <laughs> episode, and it's time to share. I wouldn't have it any other way, actually. Aw, I'm glad we're not fighting anymore. No. <laughs> I hate fighting with you. It's the worst. Ugh, it's horrible. I will say that we are on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network, thanks to our friends there. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at basicfolk.com. Follow us on social media at basicfolkpod. This is episode 200. This is a big deal. I can't believe it. Cindy, do you have any words of wisdom to anyone that might be starting their podcast today as someone that's now 200 episodes deep like what would you say is like a piece of advice you would give to someone that's just starting start a spreadsheet (laughs) to keep all your tasks in order there's a lot of moving parts and i remember when we first started it was very much fly by the seat of your pants the podcast existed on a wing and a prayer now i have a really amazing spreadsheet and it's very helpful. Not to mention an adorable co-host. Oh my gosh, the most adorable. Come on. I can't believe I'm second fiddle to a spreadsheet. I don't know why I've decided to come in <laughs> hot on this like momentous episode, but it just feels so important. And I feel so lucky to be um, the guest host at Basic Folk. I'm newer to the Basic Folk family. Cindy has been holding it down for a long time. But I was a fan of the show before I was a part of the show. It's really mm. cool to be celebrating the 200th episode with my radio hero, radio hero, Cindy Howes. Thanks, Lizzie. Leave that in. Make sure you don't edit that out where I learned to speak okay. on the podcast because I feel like that's a good process moment behind the scenes. Well, you know what I always say, learn by doing. <laughs> that's one of the 4-H mottos. Oh, really? Oh, Cindy. Yeah. Raisin sheep. Creating great radio. Do you want to talk about our amazing guests that are on today? I do. I was going to talk about playing 
YouTube videos of animals for Puddles the dog. How did it go? Are you interested in that? I am very interested in that. Your 90-pound baby puppy got to learn about farm animals. (laughs) Her favorite is... And I have to put it on if I play her a video that that gets her all riled up. Her favorite is Beautiful Amazing Horses, where you put on the horse video, and it looks like she's going to cry. I'm going to put that on for my dog. Yeah, try it out. She got really riled up for lions roaring, bears fighting, and puppies. She likes puppies? She, like, wants to bark at them. But the horses... Every single time, calm her down. She likes horses. Wow. Equine therapy mm-hmm. is real. Yeah. That works. All right. Let's talk about our guests. I feel like everybody in this episode of Basic Folk had a dog in their Zoom video. <laughs> <laughs> As God intended. We're talking to Sister Strings today, the real life sister duo of Monique, who plays cello, and Shanti, who plays violin, the Ross sisters, who are currently tearing it up on the road with Brandy Carlisle and Allison Russell. Their musical roots began with their intense classical training, family gatherings, and in church. All five of their siblings played music, toured around with their minister parents, and even had their own family band. Sisters of Praise with their older sisters. After Shanti was done with college, she and Monique teamed up again and ventured out into the Milwaukee music scene where they cut their teeth and tried their hand at all sorts of different styles, hip-hop, jam bands, electronic music, and singer-songwriters. There, that's where they teamed up with Kindred Peter Mulvey, who they started performing with in 2016. Sister Strings officially made the move to Nashville in the summer of 2021. Once there, they started playing gigs with Allison Russell. Monique's encounter with Brandy Carlisle at the Newport Folk Festival led them to both touring with Brandy's band. And in our conversation, we talked to Monique and Shanti about being romantic string players, thanks to their classical background, which also gave them a very thick skin. They also talk about the decisions to pursue a musical path into the folk and Americana world, which is notoriously a white space. Spoiler alert, it wasn't an easy decision, but it's actually one that they haven't come to regret. Uh, This is a really fun conversation with Monique and Shanti. I think when you listen to it, you will notice that we could have talked to them all day long. And make sure you listen all the way to the end. I'm sure you listened to the end of every Basic Folk episode, but especially this one, because our lightning round was extremely fun. We played a new game called Witch Sister. We're going to listen to a song from their EP they put out a few years ago. Uh, Lizzie, do you want to cue this one up for us? We are going to listen to Sister String's rendition of Lift Every Voice and Sing. It's the Black National Anthem. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to a lot of people. And it was an honor to hear them talk about how they approached this powerful, really important and gorgeous song. So this is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven rings Rings with the Let our rejoice. 
Welcome to the most serious episode of Basic Folk. It is the most serious, especially because, drumroll please, it is our 200th episode. Oh, amazing! Can you believe it? Welcome! And congrats! Thank you. Thank you. And that is the reason why both hosts are here. Is this our first time doing an interview together, Cindy? Yes. For those that are tuning in, I'm Lizzie No. This is Cindy House. Hello. And we are here on Basic Folk for our 200th episode with one of the most kick-ass duos in music right now, Shanti and Monique Ross, also known as Sister Strings. Welcome, Sister Strings. Oh, thank you. I heard the most chaos duo. (laughs) Also accurate. (laughs) Also accurate. We're still in the intro. I'm still sort of buttering you up to like dig into the secrets of your life. Only later in the episode am I going to start insulting you. Perfect. Beautiful. Telling jokes. Telling lies. Let's dig into these serious, deep questions that we have yeah, for Sister Strings. I would love Strings. to. Okay. Monique and Shanti, music has been in your family for generations. Your dad and uncles had a singing group in the 60s. Your maternal grandmother was an opera singer and organ player. All five Ross children played instruments growing up. How do you see music as the basis of your family roots, and how does music help you relate to your family? Oh, gosh. Okay, so our parents are pastors. I guess they kind of had a built-in uh, music team with us. It was always playing music in church. I mean, there's not a time I don't remember not singing in church or being around cousins and having a cousin choir. Our two oldest siblings, my mom, actually, she was married before. Um, so they are Johnsons. I don't want to take away their last name. Two oldest siblings are Johnsons. Their father passed when they were very young. And then my mom married our dad and they had three more children. Well, um, big family. Big family. Big, very musical family. And um, growing up, we always sang and even tried to dance with um, <laughs> our cousins. Oh, my God. <laughs> we had, a, we had a, like a, a little stepping dance group. Back in the day that we used to do. Drop the choreo. Start the petition. Basic folk (laughs) listeners. Hashtag (laughs) sister strings. Drop the choreo. You remember shackles? Take the shackles Shackles off my feet. I just want to praise you. I had the solo on the Mary Mary acapella version of Shackles in my Christian acapella group yes. in college. And the con is that my I just want to praise you. <laughs> Sorry, go on with your story. 
Centered around family gatherings um, and any hang, and somebody could start a song and always end up in big harmonies, or my brother would jump on piano, or our uncle would jump on piano. Like it was always centered around music. Um, what would you like? Yeah, right, John? I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. So, but gr- now um, it's really interesting. Everybody's kind of like steered away from music, I feel like, as we've gotten older. Um, and so now it's like just me and Monique are left hmm. <laughs> with the music thing. But uh, but be, I think because of that background and upbringing, like our like our whole family is probably one the biggest judge. If you ever get them all to come to a show, they're gonna judge it from top to bottom because uh, everybody's <laughs> a professional and <laughs> everybody has an opinion <laughs> and, they, and they love it. But yeah, it's it's definitely like the thread that runs through like childhood to adulthood to why we make music now absolutely and i would say i mean maybe people moved away from it because i mean we know as artists how difficult it is to make a full-time career from it um while having wives and kids and bills and like it is it is a big deal um and i feel very very blessed that shanti and i are in a position where we were able to continue with our passion it kind of was like a i will not do anything else type of situation um, so, I mean, I don't take that lightly. I love that we had that, like, whole, yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad that people aren't really, I don't know. I miss it. I miss the big family music, everyone shouting and singing, and it was beautiful. Oh, man. I wish every kid could be that lucky to grow up in a family like that. I can definitely relate. And I am curious about the two of you as string players what was the method or pedagogy that you were taught to play your instruments under? And how old were you when you started? And what are your memories of the the method and the, the principles that you were taught? And like, how does that pedagogy show up now in your playing? Oh, man, there was so we went to the String Academy of Wisconsin mm-hmm. growing up. And that was lessons every week like private lessons every week and then group lessons and theory class on Saturdays so like our whole Saturday from like I think it was like 7 30 in the morning until like maybe like one we would have those things um every Saturday and then our private lessons in the week so that was it was like a weekly commitment and we were homeschooled so we were excited about it because then we got to get out the house and like you know be with other kids and stuff Uh, so that (laughs) That was probably for me <laughs> the biggest reward about playing violin was getting like to be around other kids in a way that I wasn't around every day because I was freaking homeschooled, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like you weren't around kids every day. We're literally, when we say we're from a big family, I don't think we can count how many cousins we have. So we were constantly around other children. It was just like being around other stranger children. <laughs> yeah. Being around a friend that wasn't also a blood relative was right. like yes. a big novelty. Yeah, a big deal. We'd be like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. Yes. And music was the passport to that. That's really funny. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, classical training, master classes, competitions. Um, the music school even do like practice competitions. So if you practice the most, you would get rewarded. Oh yeah, for the month uh, of February. Yes, yes. 
What was the reward? What was the reward? It was like a pizza party or something like that. It's always a pizza party. (laughs) Everything was a pizza party back in the day. (laughs) And you would work your ass off for it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Get that pizza. (laughs) Right, knowing you can get that $5 Caesars pizza on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Something about earning it. And then my senior year of high school, I ended up going to the Music Institute of Chicago and studying with this like power duo of teachers, Almeida and Roland Vamos at, um, man, where were they at the time of college? Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just had this insane studio of like prodigy children. Not to say that I was one. I really was probably like the worst of their students. And I was like, pretty good, you know? Like, <laughs> um, Cindy, do we believe her? Do we believe her for a second that she wasn't a prodigy or, and that she was the worst of them? Do we believe her? I have my doubts. Believe it. <laughs> believe it. I w- <laughs> you weren't the worst. <laughs> you weren't the worst. I said one of the worst. You weren't the best, gonna... but you weren't the worst. <laughs> yeah. I remember my teacher told me, I was 17 and I played like a piece and she was like, you sound like a talented 12 year old. Like, and I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, now that is the type of stuff that like today's kids will never know. I feel like you're not even allowed to say, <laughs> not to be like a boomer about it, but I feel like now that now kids have the resources to fight back, like they'll flame you on Twitter. Like back in the day, our music teachers, like my music teacher would just like scream at me. Like I was taking violin class in a trailer being shouted at as a little kindergartner. Like, <laughs> Where is that in today's society? Anyway, go on. Sorry. I feel like it's still in the classical music world. Yes. I mean, how else can you become a brilliant classical musician without being beaten? There is like a thick skin that you have to develop. And, I, and I'm sure that that's something that shows up now in the way that you work as professionals in even in the Americana world. Like coming from that classical background, I wonder if you notice like how that training shows up in your work now. Well, it does. Like, Well, basically that tough skin really is like there. Like one, I just stopped taking a long time ago, stopped taking any critique or words about like any music or how we're making music personally, mm-hmm. especially if it's not like my project. If it's not like a Sister Strings or Shanti Ross project, if somebody else is telling me something, how to play it, that's totally fine. Is it serving the music? Is it serving the purpose of what we're doing? Like, let's do that. Fine. Even if I would rather go, you know, all over the place, <laughs> like I'll easier let it go because at that mm-hmm. point it's like it's not about me; it's about the music, which I guess is a funny thing to learn about classical music because I feel like it can be really like self-involved. And, oh yes, you know, like here with it, but absolutely somehow that's like a, a benefit. Yeah, I would say not even just a tough skin, but also like learning music quickly and memorizing it and like things like that were huge benefits that I Mm. directly attest to the classical training because like you memorize this you have to learn we're performing this and blah blah blah, however long you know and uh having the discipline of that for years completely has carried over into music career you know (laughs) because how else are you gonna learn things when they give you a song the night before you're like all right gotta turn up tomorrow and perform it in front of people like Oh, without that practice, I don't think I could, or the tough skin or like the confidence that is like drilled into you or not. Cause sometimes it has an adverse effect. Sometimes you don't get that confidence, but, um, once again, attesting to our parents who like kind of counteracted the 
abuse from teachers um, by saying, like, you're amazing, you can do this, da-da-da, building self-confidence, having that together has helped create some kind of method. I wouldn't say I was abused by teachers. I was joking when I said that, and I don't mean to take away from anyone else's experience, because I know Mm. there was some real abuse going on (laughs) in those days. Thankfully, I didn't have to deal with it for real. So I just want to clarify that. Yes, 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 yes. I only Important had disclaimer. one one person in college who was a whole hot mess. But mm. outside of that, no, 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 great. Great, awesome teachers. Yes, they were mean, but they taught me a lot. <laughs> they were just as loving as mean. <laughs> Thinking about your parents, they're both ministers, but they travel around a lot and you traveled with them. Do you still feel that there's a spiritual or religious aspect to your music? Uh, definitely there's a spiritual aspect to our, our music that is just undeniable. Like gospel music, I think, is probably the hugest influence on me as an artist. And Monique, would you say the same? I would say the same. Yeah, sure. gospel music and, and, and classical music, which I think any music that we listen to is... A spiritual experience whether you want it to be or not it really can um alter a space and just like the mood and the energy um that's spiritual to me so uh for sure our music and we're we're some church babies at heart like we get tipsy and we start singing like 90s gospel songs like that's what happens oh my god It's very true. <laughs> like, as far as, like, how we have been, like, writing lately and, and the songs that are coming out, yeah, it's kind of just, like, kind of, like, telling on that spiritual journey of sorts, mm-hmm. which is, like, ever going. I still can't figure it out. I wouldn't say religious as much because being raised in the church, I have, like, uh, like a, a little side eye towards just religion for religion's sake, you know, and, like, especially how it can exclude rather than embrace. That's the part that I don't enjoy. But we're all human beings and we manipulate things all the time. So why not religion be one of them as well? So I try to lean more towards like... Spirituality. Spirituality. Like, where's your heart and soul at? Like, what are we doing things that feel good and that hopefully encourage others to feel good and like take a moment? Because it's rough out here. It really is. Yeah, I... That's I I love hearing about the motivation behind the music and that you guys are like gospel music nerds because you really do hear that overflowing warmth and an invitation to reflect when when you're listening to your guys music whether it's for your own project or collaborating with someone else it does feel like there's another level and another layer it's not just playing the notes it's about calling people together so I really appreciate your like opening up about some of the spiritual side of it. Now I have a hard hitting question. What is the hardest part of being in a family band? What's the best part? And then especially for Monique as a parent, can you answer from that perspective? Like you're you're not just sister strings, you're a mom as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How has that changed how you show up in your in your life as a musician? Oh my well, okay, the hardest part of being in a family band as kids, because as sisters, we had our string quartet. We were sisters of praise with a big old Z in the middle. Um, 
But uh, the hardest part was learning how to respect each other musically, which I think was a good thing for us, but also was a challenge because Shanti, first of all, she was our first violinist and she was the youngest. And then I was on cello, so cut nobody tell me nothing because I don't even know anything about my instrument. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, like, learning how to communicate within rehearsals. I think there was, like, a Barbie thrown one time in rehearsals. <gasps> Not the Barbie. Uh, oh, no. There's, you know, like, you can't tell me what to do. No, no, no. But, like, honestly, it, it got better learning how to communicate. And, honestly, got even more better when it was whittled down to just Shanti and I. Because we grew up as, like, best friends. And we were like, okay, we can communicate with each other. It's great. They're away at college. Now it's us. Let's do this. Um, As far as, honestly doing music with Shanti and after having Braylon was really great and the biggest challenge was this past year because after moving I mean we we've never toured like this before we have never toured like this before and I remember I mean last summer we were gone almost all summer like my child was with my parents she was at a grandparents house and I knew she was safe and we put her in like tumbling classes and she was like, you know, having her, her time. But also we hadn't been separated like that ever. Oh, wow. um, and these, and she just turned 11. So these are like huge years for her. She just started middle school. Middle school. And like Shanti and I, like we're her people. Like she does, like Shanti, we lived together when we were in Milwaukee. Um, we've done like everything together. She sees Shanti as like her sister auntie. Um, so... Being away from her is difficult and just learning how to navigate focusing on a music career because we know that like you have to grind, you have to travel, you have to do these if you want to get, you know, while making sure she doesn't feel like she's not a priority, which has been something that is very beautiful with playing with Brandy. They're so family inclusive and they're just like, anytime she wants to come, she can come. So she's been able to come out on the road for some dates, which has been helpful but, like, yeah, that's something that totally weighs on me sometimes. Video games help. We have a Switch Lite. So we're like, let's play online together. Like, Braylon, get online. Let's play games. Or FaceTiming all the time, making sure we talk every day. But it's still something I am trying to figure out because it is very new. And, I mean, her being an 11-year-old little baby in middle school, there are... Ooh, all about the little drama. So I'm like, oh let's gosh. have, you know. <laughs> Terrible times. I know. Yes. It's so. It's a lot. It's, it's such a rough time. I You could not pay me a billion dollars to be a middle school girl. Co-signed. Right I co-signed. You could not. No. No. No, 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 no. Couldn't pay me. Can I ask you guys about the scene that Sister Strings sort of developed in, the Milwaukee music scene? From my experience with that community of musicians, it's very collaborative, kind of humble, hardworking, super talented folks who are also really political. How did that scene inspire your EP lift and like your sound and the way that you work today? Oh, yeah. Hell, that whole EP was uh, a collaborative project <laughs> from that. From just it even existing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would agree with all those things you said about um, uh, the Milwaukee scene that we kind of grew up in. Because I think it was 20, I know it was, it was 2014 when I graduated college and moved back to Milwaukee mm-hmm. from Ann Arbor. And I was sitting in my parents' house with this degree like, hmm, 
What do we do? <laughs> what do we do with yeah. this? <laughs> and so Monique and I started playing as sister strings, but like, uh, like as our parents, like we had mentioned before, are ministers, but they also were like very strict. So imagine like loving but strict parents. Uh, we weren't like we didn't have a curfew because we weren't going anywhere, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, like we go to our music lessons, we go to like Bible study at church. You know, like, we hang out, but like we weren't really like, oh, mom, I'm gonna go to the mall and like kick it with such and so. Like, uh, why? You know, there's always a purpose for everything you have to do, right? Yes, I can imagine. When I graduated college and we came back and started playing as sister strings, um, instead of just like the Ross girls that we were used to, we like started meeting all these amazing creatives that were like making music and going to shows and having shows and big old uh, jams and all these things that we'd never experienced before. I didn't know it was happening. I didn't know Milwaukee had like a music scene. Yeah, It did not compete with me. Uh, So it was really incredible. I think around that time, a lot of us started like our first projects or things at that time. We kind of like grew up all together and then but as far as like how it impacted our EP, like my good friend, um, I think Lizzie, how I even met you was through Johanna Rose and yep. um, like those guys that were Nickel and Rose back in the day. Yeah, the first time I saw you guys play was on a showcase at My Love Music. It was Sister Strings and Nickel and Rose. And it was, I had my jaw was on the ground. I mean, I was like, there are all of these. I, I just like couldn't even believe what I was seeing and hearing. <laughs> and Buffalo Nichols has been a guest on Basic Folk, so shout out to Carl. Shout oh. out to Carl. And so we had, like we were working with them, and so we had done like some touring. But uh, Johanna was like super helpful in like helping us find a studio to work at that we did, which was a Milwaukee spot um, that we recorded it in. And a good friend of ours made our album art that we love. It's so dreamy. It was just like folks creatives looking out for each other and like doing like a trade of goods like oops I got a little bit of money like call me if you need some strings and record this album you know <laughs> like that type of thing and it you know it made for like a really um I think honest reflection of like where we were at the time which is um you always look back at things and I want to do better at them but I think it's an honest representation of like where we were at the time and I think it's quite beautiful how many folks like you know took the time to help us out with wherever they were in their lives because we were all struggling (laughs) (laughs) broke lost sad (laughs) broke lost sad confused trying to figure it out a bunch of 20 somethings like what are we doing (laughs) yes I think the highlight of that EP for me is the Black American National Anthem, Lift Every Voice Mm. and Sing. And it really got me thinking about the difference between recording, like even recording a spiritual or recording a very popular cover is one thing. Recording a national anthem for a group of people comes with like a particular set of stakes and people's expectations and, and associations with it. So if you had to say, like, what are some do's and don'ts of recording an anthem? Ooh, I would say the, on, the only don't for me would be don't force it. Mm. Um, that song was always something that was important to us growing up, almost like it was a hymn. Yes. Um, so it felt very 
natural and almost like a we must put this on the album um just from upbringing and like the things we're going through in life when you listen to the words of that song and how inclusive it is you're like yes it's the black national anthem but it's a it's the anthem of inclusion and yes. love and something that i that people need to hear it felt like a force at first because when we were recording it in the studio at first they were going to try to have us record our parts separately and that doesn't feel natural when you're singing something like that and we were like we need to record at the same time uh we need to and then like made the all the things happen where we could record it at the same time where it was like here we go like here's the flow we also still couldn't see each other while we were recording that so there was no visual which was another thing so i wow. extra had to go internal and like feel like feel shanti's vibes wait do you multi-track record even when you're recording your instruments you do that separately and you don't see each other is that how you usually do it well this was our one and only project and now that we've learned so much recording with other people, mm -hmm. that is not how we do it. We've learned so much since then. Yeah, that's not how we do it. Because I was going to say that I, I think like recording strings where you can't see each other is like, it's like climbing Mount Everest in yes. the studio. Like, I don't know, for our listeners that are musicians or who listen to a lot of strings, I feel like the cardinal rule is you have to always see each other. And the fact that that recording came out as beautiful it as it did it's mind-blowing to me actually that you didn't have a visual on each other while you were playing that is so wild it was yeah for, for sound purpose because it was a small room there was like a little mm -hmm. wall set in between us so that our mics wouldn't bleed bleed into each other's but i feel like playing with my sister and like there's something with our minds that is kind of freaky sometimes <laughs> where mm, we wow. can really just like read each other's minds or I know she's going to take a breath there. I know she's going to, you know, that um, is unique to me playing with Shanti, honestly. Sure. Um, so I would say for, for as far as recording an anthem, it just, it has to feel natural. It can't feel like a force. You have to find some way to connect with it deeper than just like, oh, we're going to do this song. And that's for sure what that recording was to me. Beautiful. Your bio reads that sister strings have spent their entire music education not quite fitting into any particular mold, which can sound like either invigorating or pretty uncomfortable. So how does it feel in reality to not fit into a mold musically and if that actually impacts you in other non-musical ways? Oh, I think it's both invigorating and uncomfortable, honestly. <laughs> it can be both. Yes. <laughs> I mean, starting with us being homeschooled and then, I mean, things change. But at the, when we were younger, we we didn't wear like pants or anything. We weren't really allowed to wear pants. We only wore like dresses. And if you had to wear shorts, it was like the long culotte shorts that still look like a skirt. Um, I remember as I got older, I remember my mom finally had a conversation with my dad. She said this because she saw some like beautiful suit that she was, it was a pants suit. And she was like... <laughs> Wearing pants is not sin, and I need to have this suit. <laughs> so she had a conversation with my dad, and he was like, you know, okay, because he's like the most sweet and gentle man. I guess it was just going according to like what the rules of the current church they were in like had in place. And he was just like, yeah, like absolutely. So that like that switched up. But people would always ask us like, we had long winter coats. Like, are you guys like what? 
religion are you guys? Or like, are you guys part of a cult or stuff like that? And they're like, no, our parents just want us to look really, really like ladylike and dainty. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of, you know, other and that. And then when we did go to school, we went to like a private Christian school and music school uh, for a classical music training. We were like always some of the only black kids and then when we started joining the music industry in Milwaukee, we were some of the only women. And it was just like always other, 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 other. And then with the style of music we play, it wasn't always, it's not strictly classical. I remember um, when we started playing like not strictly in like church or like nursing homes or whatever, you know, like outreach kind of music. Um, Shanti and I always thought we had to play with the band to like fit in with everyone else's sound. Like we need to have a drummer. We need to have a bass guitar player. We need to, you know... And as we got more comfortable in our own sound, we were like, we can do this with just the two of us. <laughs> and also, we'll make more money. Um, <laughs> that part. Right? But it took us getting comfortable with our own sound and being like, it's fine that we sound different than everyone else. Like, we don't have to sound like a full band with bass. And like, yes, that's cool. And yes, it's awesome. But like, thrive in the sound that we can create with just the two of us. Mm. Yeah. It really helped having each other, for sure. Um, because at least we were two of a kind weirdos. So, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> at least have each other's back. And then I think because of that, it kind of made us a little bit more, like, sensitive to others. And, like, kind of made us want to, like, bring folks in. Like, I remember um, in music school, like, as a kid... <laughs> The cellos were all in a group, and violins would be all in a group, violas in another group, and they all had like there's different levels for each instrument, right? But so Monique and I were at like the highest group of cello and violin, each with our own groups, and they don't speak to each other at concerts and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all sitting in the same green room, but everyone like violins are on the side, cellos on the other side. But like me and Monique are like, come on, guys, and like integrate and then all of a sudden we're too loud in the green room because everyone's having a great time and we're all being friends and doesn't our music sound that much better because we like each other and we're speaking and we're being nice and you're learning something about the next person now you can look across the room while you're playing music and play together instead of being like Mm. so internalized and just like fearful and so so i think like having each other made us stronger for sure and also like it helped us try to be like like spread that like love to other folks because it's like it sucks to it sucks to feel like you're all alone Mm. and you're gonna feel that way most of the time anyway so whatever born alone die alone (laughs) anyway (laughs) you guys have done so many collaborations with many different styles of other artists rappers jam bands you name it And we even found this quote from you guys. We tried to force our sound to be more mainstream and it definitely didn't work. (laughs) So can you describe the moment where you were like, oh, okay, this experimentation or this collaboration has gone too far. We need to get back to our sound. Um, And are there ways that those collaborations still impact your style of performing? I can remember a time where we had a sister string set and... um, it was one of, during the times where we were like, we have to have a band, you know, to like fit mm-hmm. in with everybody else. And 
you could not hear our strings <laughs> or our voices. You could just hear drums. <laughs> I was like, all right, enough. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Get these boys off the stage. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, I just remember when it started to take over the music. And it's like, okay, we're not even playing anything that we're happy about because we're trying to stuff ourselves here. Mm. I just remember not feeling comfortable on stage. Mm-hmm. And I love to be on stage. She like, it is it. my favorite place to be. I was extremely shy as a child. And the only thing that I feel like really brought me out of that was music. Like, I love being on stage. I love playing music. I love all of those things. And we were playing, I mean, lovely, awesome covers and stuff. Yes, it would sound cool, but like it didn't feel authentic to what I needed to do in my heart. And like, I wouldn't call myself a flashy cellist. I'm more like melodic and want to make people cry and like, right. uh, ooze in the low notes. And there's like all this like flash, like, and I was just like, not comfortable or being able to express myself on stage. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was right around that same time. And Shanti's like, we're not being heard. And I'm like, I don't feel like me. Something's got to change. We've got to figure this out. And uh, we're still figuring it out, but I think we're much mm-hmm. closer. Mm-hmm. Shanti has said, our style is soulful and kind of romantic. The tone is super lush, which 100% I agree. It's like very romantic. So where did the romantic element come into your playing and how are you each a romantic player? <laughs> we watch too many rom-coms. <laughs> no, I don't know. Jeez, I don't know. How did the romanticism come into... I'd say uh, classical music. Classical music. All that lush orchestral writing. The Brahms, Ravel. Beethoven. uh, The the violin. I am a Ravel ho. I'm here to say. say. (laughs) I was just talking about this earlier. My boyfriend was like, when you're listening to classical music in our house, are you listening to like a particular playlist? Like, how do you choose? And I was like... I just start with Ravel and sort of dream off from there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Because so I'm soft. I, yeah, I blame I blame uh, the classical music. <laughs> that would make I sense. Would, if I could always sound like an old school Hollywood orchestra, oh, mm. that would just be mm. the dream. Where you're like, why am I crying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's uh, So before I ask this question, I want you guys to know that we are a pro Peter Mulvey podcast. I have him tattooed on tattoo? my wrist. Woohoo! Uh, ah! We, oh, we love so him. Screaming. We love Peter. It seems like when you met Peter, who is a fellow Milwaukee musician, I think in 2016 is when you met and started playing. Things started falling into place in terms of finding your place in music as like a purpose music as a career peter is like a songwriter he tells stories with his songs he he's also a romantic and i feel like he was like the ideal musical partner for sister strings um what was the process like for you both when it came to finding your way into peter's songs he was just on the podcast this past summer and told the origin story and then also what about performing with peter felt different to prior collaborations that might not have worked? Mm. Oh. Um, what was, can you say the first part one more time? What was the process <laughs> like for you both when it came to finding your way? Not like the actual story of finding your way, but sort of like 
jamming your stuff into his stuff. Yes. Um, like you said, Peter is a storyteller. And the first time we heard Peter play, was it, was it? Sheboygan. Where? Sheboygan. I was going to say Kenosha, and I was like, wrong Wisconsin spot. We were in Sheboygan, and he was playing Are You Listening? And Sean and I were sitting at a table by ourselves, and I was just like, <laughs> she was like, girl, you crying? And I was like, yes. <laughs> but it was just like music that like spoke to me, you know? And like I didn't know this man from anywhere. I was like, who is this white man? Um, but he was, it was such a beautiful song. And then um, later he, we started to, we played with him. We had one rehearsal like the same day before we played in the park. And like, it just, it felt like music that we wanted to play. And like Peter is always for letting us express ourselves. Mm-hmm. He's never just like, play this. Or it all is very, very collaborative. I don't know. And prior collaborations with other like singer songwriter things has been very much like they want strings used like this or you play this or you can't do this or blah, blah, blah. And also try to kind of cover it up. We, we, any collaboration we do, we always make it very clear that we are sister strings. Yes, we're doing this, but sister strings is like, it's who we are. It's like our forefront mission. It's like, like our passion. It's what we love. And we've played with a couple people who like kind of wanted to disguise the sister strings part. And that will mm. never work because mm. that's never going to work for us. Um, and Peter has just been, <laughs> is that not accurate though? <laughs> no, I feel like Bridgerton and no shade to Bridgerton, but like other places in pop culture where like pop music has combined with whether it's like a chamber group or, you know, orchestral arrangements has given people this idea like, oh, you could just throw some strings on there as like a texture. (laughs) And it's like felt but not heard. And like Mm -hmm. that is cinematic, but it's not at all what you guys are doing. And if you're like a string player who's also, who also writes songs, like that's got to be like a flattening experience for you. Yeah, it can be. (laughs) Look at my face. I'm so sorry. Lizzie, you just took the air out of the room. Thanks. I'm really sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's fine. I care. I really care about strings. I really can I really can go on about this because it's just sometimes I listen to a string ranger and I'm just like, this is not honoring the players. That's so real. Um I mean it's there have been a couple times we maybe have written a couple things that don't honor ourselves either. But we are all given the freedom to express it. It is your right. <laughs> yes. Choose yourself. Like you said to your headphones earlier, choose yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had to do. But yeah, I think, honestly, yeah, when we started working with Peter, though, that was around when we started to find a home in, like, the folk Americana realm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before then, we had kind of, like, pushed against that for some reason. We are like, uh-uh, that's not our that's not our kind of music. We get know? it. Me and Lizzie and get then, it. We get it. We, we get, get it, it very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then and then it just happened to be where we were best received. Mm-hmm. So we were like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't fight this. We yeah. actually sat down and had a conversation with each other. Do you remember that? Yes, we <laughs> have to like... talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We have to talk about it. Because then there's also being black women too in a space where um, there has been there have been more black women of, in front of us before, right? Mm-hmm. But 
what are their names, right? Are we saying them? Do we, do we know them? It's kind of like erased. So we're like, do we want to like know that if we're doing this, we're also taking on another aspect of um, like being, uh, I don't want to say ambassadors, but like the extra work that it takes to educate our audiences in a way that looks different when I'm playing um, on the north side of Milwaukee at like a majority all black club, you know, um, or something like that. So we had to like sit down and be like, is this something that we actually want to take on while we're also like playing our music? And then it was just undeniable that like just the topics of the <laughs> songs we were writing or the songs we were covering, <laughs> that, that, that was like part of our mission as well. But yeah, we yeah, didn't. like the train had already left the station. The train had already left the station. We were trying to be like, come like, back, come back. We don't want, we want <laughs> to go over there. I wanted to be on the plane instead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, it's been a beautiful thing. We've met some incredible artists and songwriters and things that we, you know, would have never met or encountered otherwise. And it's helped expand my like musical appreciation as well which is like all we want to encourage folks to do anyway so it worked out beautifully well I have another follow-up question sort of inspired by Peter which is that when he first saw you perform at his brother's church he said they announce themselves the minute they start making music um and we feel like you announce yourselves the minute you walk on stage with your beautiful colorful hair your clothes your accessories um, alongside these classical instruments. And like, you've already spoken to how there is kind of a contrast between what people expect from classical music and the way you present yourselves. And just being a Black woman, you know, in, in your own life. So with all that in mind and all the expectations that come with it, what is your ideal stage outfit? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> So comfort is key. Comfortable. Yes, comfort is key. But something that's like bright or like patterned, something that's going to make a freaking impact. Because um, impactful clothes are fun clothes. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's my answer. You can have your own answers. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry, ma'am. Sorry to you. Yes, that sorry was to this man. <laughs> I like when you see somebody on stage and like you remember what they were wearing because their outfit was super fly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, out, outfits are. Uh, I always like. Sometimes I try on an outfit and Monique will be like, "Oh, that's cute. I think you look great." But if I don't feel good in it, I'm not going to wear it. It's all about comfort and like being comfortable because then you feel confident and that's going to exude through how you play. So for me, it's got to be something cool because I sweat a lot when I play, so I need something that's not going to be showing all my stains. It usually should be flowy. I love anything with, like, a sleeve, because I play violin, mm. and it moves. It's so visually pretty, especially for, like, photos and stuff. But, yeah, something bright as well. We think about it a lot. And we've started dressing, like, more lately on purpose, which is <laughs> hilarious. Can you tell me about working with Allison Russell. Oh! Um, not even just like 
what a superstar, basic folk all-star. Mm-hmm. What is her, how does she lead a band? Like, what's your arrangement process? What's your rehearsal process like? And and how do you guys, as the Rainbow Coalition of the Loving, kind of infuse your values and priorities into the process of making music together? Oh, yeah. I would say the arranging aspect is very collaborative. Mm-hmm. It's kind of everyone brings something to the table and then you adjust from there. Mm-hmm. It's also not a, like, you play this, you play this. It, it's like, here's the song. I'm going to play for you the song. Now, what can you bring to this song? Mm-hmm. Which is awesome because the people who are surrounded in that coalition all have something freaking beautiful to say. And a lot of times, sometimes it will change the like initial vibe or something. Yeah, because like Outside Child, that album from how it was recorded to how we toured it all this year or all last year, totally different. Sounds completely different, you know? Yes. Yeah, or Um, even Meg Coleman just now in Mexico when they did Night Flyer, like second half of the song, she started doing some drums, something, where I was like, whoa, Coleman just changed the whole song, you know? Um, So I feel like it's very much so each artist bringing with them their... Yeah. what they have to build something that's freaking beautiful. Mm. Yeah, Allison really trusts the musicians that she works with. It's very clear. She's just like, the songs are there. She's like, but they're ours, you know? Mm. Which is a really beautiful way to approach music because I'd be like, I had it in my head. It was going to go this way. <laughs> try it. Just try it. <laughs> <laughs> We're both It's up. also kind of scary. Like, I, that sounds like a scary gig to me because it also requires that you come with a level of like, vulnerability as a musician like when I'm hired to play in someone else's band I love to be told what to do just Mm -hmm. show up pluckety pluckety boo boo and (laughs) it's very different when you're being asked to arrange and offer your own ideas and offer a little bit of yourself yeah that is true and there's I agree with you there's a lot of times where like I show up in this comfort and just knowing that like okay I have a sheet music I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. come there and just play that and like be done with it But I think that, like, and then I also think it, on the other side, offended when someone's just like, I want you to come do this thing. But, like, it's all open. It's whatever uh, up to you. I'm like, well, now you just put all the work on me. And now am I going to get an arranging fee? Am I going to get this? And I'm going to that, you know? Yes. (laughs) But, like. As you should. As you should. Yeah, and as you should. I think, like, the way that um, uh, Allison operates in her band is, totally unique from anything I've ever seen mm-hmm. or worked with cool. folks before where it's not either one of those things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, it just becomes, yeah, I don't know. Mm. It, beca- it makes you more attached to the songs. I was going to say, you become a part of the music. But also yeah. because there's so many people there, you definitely aren't doing like the heavy lifting of yourself. Like mm. we've had the beautiful... Uh, Larissa Maestro is the other oh, string yeah. player in Allison's band, and she writes incredible string parts. So, like, sometimes it's just like coming in and just doing what Larissa says. That's great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is great. She's a genius. That's my genius wifey, boo. <laughs> Hi, Larissa. Love you. Love you, Larissa. All right, we got a couple more questions, and then we have a very special Sister Strings episode 200 lightning round to get Perfect. to. <laughs> You've got a lot of great gigs going on right now. The two huge ones we've talked about, Brandy Carlisle and Allison Russell. 
Y'all moved to Nashville in the summer of 2021. Is that accurate? That is okay. accurate. Yeah, great. And then you're down there. You're getting gigs. And I don't know if I'm getting this story like completely right, but the takeaway for me in hearing about the stories of like how Sister Strings have been getting gigs is that you are a package deal. Sister Strings is the deal. How accurate is that statement for you? And is it maybe even becoming truer the higher your profile rises? I want Sean to answer that first, not display. <laughs> Think very carefully about your next words. No, I mean, it's very, I mean, we literally both have it tatted on our bodies. Oh my gosh, uh, that's so cute. But uh, we, I would say, are very much so a package deal. Even when I, I mean, not to say we could never do anything on our own or have a solo something, even who knows. But Sister Strings is a, a, a thing that is literally passion, project, best friend, sister, make music together, all of that. Even when um, I first met Brandy at Newport, not this past summer, but the one before that, like right after we moved to Nashville. And uh, I played, Larissa and I played cello with, her and Allison singing um, Beautiful Noise. I wasn't there. I wasn't Shanti there. was not there. Because we yep. had just moved. Allie was like, uh, I would love to have both of you. Eventually we will, blah, blah, blah. You had done a couple gigs with Allison at that point, but she didn't go on that tour. And after playing, Brandy comes to me and she was like, I need you. Like, are you touring? Are you able to tour? Da, da, da. And immediately I was like, yes. And I have a sister and handed her my business card and yes. gave Catherine my business card. And was like, sister strings, like blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, and everybody kept making fun of me the whole week. Being like, sister strings, sister strings. Monique's always on the phone with her sister. She's always okay. on the phone with her sister. So I don't I'm, like that. I don't care for it. Oh, you it was fine. Are, I you guys are iconic. You guys are powerful to be teased. I don't think so. You can give me those people's names and I will find them. I don't I think so. Thanks, I love that. But I was fine with it because I'm like, it's going to be completely fine. And guess what? You guys are going to meet Shanti and now they adore her, you know? But I'm like... There was no way that job could have happened. There's no way I could have joined Brandy Carlisle's tour and Shanti not have come to, you know? So it was like from the jump immediately. It was like, it would be unconscionable. Can you imagine though, how many times Brandy Carlisle has approached someone and been like, I need you to do this thing for me. And they're like, I also have this sister. And then actually have it work out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because these two have the goods. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay, I have one final hard-hitting question, and I need complete honesty on this, okay? Okay, I'll stop lying, starting now. Okay. <laughs> stop the lies. When can we expect a Sister Strings cover of the theme song from the 90s sitcom Sister, Sister? Shaking up the family tree with sibling synchronicity. That one? So right now, right now, it's happening. Now. And then I, we should do it. We should put it we on should, TikTok, Mo. We should. We should do it. We should do it for sure. And then also maybe in honor of Jack Hay, you could do two two seven. Jackie. Oh, you guys, this is just getting better by Mary? the second. Yeah. You're just giving us all of our materials. Here to help. 
We've got a million ideas. Beautiful. <laughs> okay, are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. Does that okay. mean it's going to happen fast? Right? It's going to happen fast. Here's the it's a special 200th episode Sister Strings lightning round uh game called Which Sister? Okay, so we're going to ask you a series of questions. We're going to go back and forth between me and Cindy. And we're going to ask a question. We're going to pause and count to three. And after the number three, you have to shout the name of the sister who it applies to. So, for example, like if Cindy and I were playing, okay, I would. you ask the question, um, who loves puppies the most? One, two, Three. Lizzie. Lizzie. <laughs> got okay. it? So you got can it. say your own name yes, or you can say it. your sister's name depending on, and we'll see if you guys agree. Okay, yes. Okay, here we go. Which sister is the better driver? One, One two, two, three. Three. Monique. Monique, be serious. <laughs> I think I'm the better driver, but you drive more. You take more risk. I'm the better driver. She drives more. She drives more. I just think you take more risk than I do. We want I think headlines I only. Do. We don't. Yeah. We don't care for details here. We just. We want don't headlines. care for details. It's a lightning round. Okay, I'm sorry. Which? <laughs> stay on task, sister strings. Um, which sister always eats her vegetables? One, One two, two, three. three. Monique. Monique. <laughs> <laughs> which sister has the better jokes? Shanti. Shanti. Oh. <laughs> we didn't count. We didn't count. Oh, Sorry. We have to fine. learn how to follow rules. We have to follow okay. rules. Who's, We're going to get it right on this one. Which sister is the better rule follower? One. One. Two. two three. Three. Monique. Monique. <laughs> <laughs> which sister is more likely to run for office? One. One two, two. Three. Three. Monique. Shanti. <gasps> What? I was what? never in any like school things. Like, oh, I was because I was a rule follower and I had to get into a good college. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like we all know the answer to this one. Which sister is always late? One, <laughs> two, two, three. three. Shanti. Shanti. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that on that. Which sister is more sporty? One, two. two Three. Fashion wise, Monique. Literally, neither one of us. (laughs) Great. Love that for you. Sports be damned. Which sister is a better liar? One, One, two, two, three. Three. I would have to say me. I don't lie much, though. (laughs) But you're good at it when you do. Yeah, she doesn't lie much. (laughs) Which sister? Oh, we also know the answer to this. Which sister is more tech savvy? One, One, two, two three. three. And that was hard. Computer shit me, social media things shanty. Okay, that's a split. That's a tie. Split. Okay. Yeah. Which sister is the foodie? One, One two, two, three. Three. Monique. Monique. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come to your house. She cooks so good. Final Which sister question. wants to go to the mall? One, two, two 
Sister Scream! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they love shopping! Oh my god! Retail you guys therapy. have been the best guests. Thank you for helping us celebrate our 200th episode. Everybody Woo! go see Sister Strings. They are on tour literally all the time. They're so talented. They're so beautiful. They're so fun. Cindy and I were so excited that you were willing to join us for our 200th episode. I feel like this is the best day of my life. Yeah, I feel like I just had a party thrown for me. <laughs> yeah, this is so fun. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having Congrats, for y'all. That's, yeah, that's right. a lot of episodes. Congrats to you, because you're you're tearing it up. Yeah, seriously. Oh, you're blowing up right now. If y'all can you. just see my face. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can see your face. Oh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. This episode of Basic Folk was produced by me, Cindy House. We are on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can find all 200 episodes there. You can search for us on the SiriusXM app. You can check us out at basicfolk.com or find us wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and want to share, please do. You can leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. You remember Shackles? Take the shackles off my feet so I dance. I just want to praise you. Yeah.